The term deranged sociopath <laughs> gets thrown around a lot by the media, but it really applies to my next guest. Please welcome Jason. I see all your movies, man. And you know what I've really noticed? You're angry. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to laugh, excuse me, it's just the way I am. But you're, 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 you're angry. What happened, man? How, where did it all begin? You know what I mean? Was it a woman? Uh, did you get cut from the hockey team in high school? What happened? What's up? Okay, let me ask you this. Ever think about doing a musical? <laughs> oh, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. You didn't kill anybody with that big knife you usually kill people with. Did you change because you were afraid of being typecasted as just a big knife killer? <laughs> I got some great titles I had put together. Jason and the Three Babies, what you think of that? <laughs> Jason's Big Top would be funny. Jason Rabbit. <laughs> that would be great. Or Jason, uh, when Jason met Sally, would that be funny? <laughs> you don't do many comedies, do you? Uh, you... you wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when Bobby D says, you're talking to me. Seen it all with Jeff and John. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Seen It All with Jeff and John, the podcast where we break down our favorite scenes from our favorite movies. I'm Jeff Glover. And I'm John Zabriskie. And in this episode, we don't want to scare anyone, but we're going to give it to you straight about Jason. That's right. We are talking about a scene from the 1981 horror slasher sequel classic, Friday the 13th Part 2. On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. You're all doomed. You're all doomed. 15. God. 16. Help! 17.
21. 22. 23. Sandra? Jeff? The day you count on for terror is not over. Friday the 13th. I love this movie. <laughs> why why of all movies do you love this movie? <laughs> oh man. Um where do I even begin? Uh this is just one of my favorite 80s horror movies. It's one of my favorite slasher movies and the Friday the 13th series is kind of my favorite uh horror franchise. Um and this one just always stuck out to me as as being one of the best in the series. And that's not really an unpopular opinion. I think a lot of people who are familiar with the series often cite uh, part two as being one of the best. Um, it's usually part two, part four, sometimes part six that people say is their favorite. Um, but I, I think I can make a pretty strong case uh, today for part two being the best and uh, is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I I've, uh, even though I'm like horror, was it avoidant? Um, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to, like watching the movies, I'll definitely, I'll definitely watch the dead meat kill counts on YouTube Yeah, and I'll listen to all sorts of podcasts that break down horror movies. I don't know. There, there's, there's something that feels like, like I'm still experiencing it, but in a safe way. <laughs> right. Right. And, yeah. I, I always hear is here, uh, part two, as having its own unique style, especially its own unique Jason. Um, yeah. As right. As, as he puts on the bag instead of the mask for his first outing, it's, it's uh, quite the different Jason who's chasing around uh, all these folks, all these fine counselor folks. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about this, yeah. this Jason, this version of Jason, the very first time that the Jason is the, the killer in the series is part two. Right. Um, I, uh, did you ever see these movies as a kid, like when you weren't supposed to, or on accident, or did you have any of that, like kind of kinder trauma as they call it with any of the Friday movies? Oh yeah. Yeah. I had yeah mucho kinder trauma with these, <laughs> with these movies for sure. There's bits and pieces as I've been watching, rewatching the, um, kill counts on dead meat. And I've been listening to various horror podcast or podcast cover these movies they'll they'll reference certain scenes and i'll like right away remember oh i remember seeing that as a kid oh i remember seeing that scene uh specifically there's the guy in the yellow slicker who sees mrs Voorhees in the original friday the 13th but yeah you only see the camera view and he's like what are you doing here and like all of a sudden she stabs him or something like that from Mm -hmm. off camera that one specifically stood out to me as a kid and like seeing it again, um, rev- you know, in these video reviews, brought back the brought back that brought back those memories. That one and the part I think it's part six where yeah. Jason is brought back to life by electricity in the beginning. Yeah, the and then the lightning hits his gravestone and he comes back to life. And, and what, <laughs> yeah. I specific, you know, what I specifically remember is him punching through a guy right after that. And yes. the guy falls in his coffin, Jason's coffin, and it closes. 
And I, I just remember like how brutal that scene was as, as a kid. I can't believe I was watching these things as a kid, but I think we talked about that before in a previous episode, how you'd have a movie channel for us. It was HBO. Right. And for my family, it was HBO. And these movies would just kind of pop up like, yeah, here you go. Like, you're not going to see this on normal syndication, but like, we'll just run this for however long and all hours of the day. Cause I wasn't a kid who was staying up late. Like when I'm, I don't know, five, six, seven years old, but right, right. showing up some part dur- during the day and just can't look away. What about you? Well, it was interesting being a, a little kid in the eighties um, when all these movies were being made, because like the character Jason with the hockey mask was like definitely in the pop culture zeitgeist at the oh, time. Of course, right. Yeah. Like all of us kids knew Jason with the hockey mask, but I, I had never seen any of the movies. I was, I was way too young to see the movies. And, um, but I remember going like to the local video store on the weekend to rent some VHS tapes, you know, for the weekend, my mom would take me down there. And I don't know if you ever did this, but I would sort of sneak away from mom and like casually walk down the aisles of the movies until I got to like the horror section. Oh yeah. And I would just sort of like slink through the horror section and, and look at all the different VHS covers and, I was fascinated by them. They were all these movies that I knew I wasn't allowed to watch, but they all had these really like kind of scary covers with, you know, ominous titles that didn't really tell you much about the movie. Right. <laughs> and uh, I still to this day, like there are certain VHS covers of those horror films that are just burned into my head. Um, but I would, I remember distinctly seeing the Friday series, like all lined up on the shelf. Mm. you know the original part two part three and you know i'm like you know seven eight years old by this time there were probably seven or eight of them already out um i think jason takes manhattan which is number eight came out in like 88 or 89 so like they pumped out eight of them in like a nine-year period you know so these movies i just remember looking at them they all kind of had like a a cover that didn't tell you much, but they usually had a hockey mask on it in some way, maybe a knife, like, you know, going through one of the eye holes or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was fascinated by them. Uh, And, uh, but it wasn't like I really wanted to watch them. I, on some level, I knew they were too scary for me, Right. but I just wanted to look at the, the VHS covers, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 But when I got a little older, like when I was a kind of a younger teenager and around the time my parents kind of stopped caring about what I watched, I I do remember going and and specifically renting the original Friday the 13th, um, almost just to like check the box, you know, to say that I had seen it. Right. And I don't really remember having a, a real strong reaction one way or the other. Like I know I enjoyed it for what it was, but it, it didn't compel me to go watch the other sequels. Right. And um, kind of after that, you know, my movie tastes changed and um, I was, I've always liked kind of horror movies when I was younger, but I was never super into them. And it wasn't really until much later in my life, like in my, into my thirties really, that I really kind of discovered that I am a, a horror fan and I, I became compelled to go back and rewatch a lot of these eighties horror movies that I remembered seeing, you know, in the VHS section Mm -hmm. and um, over the years kind of slowly made my way through these movies. And I just found them to be like endlessly watchable. Um, Like they're, it's so funny how they are so formulaic, but at the same time, each movie has its own tone 
um, and feels very different from one to the next. And I, I just find that super interesting. And, uh, you know, we both listened to F This Movie, uh, a pretty great podcast hosted by a guy named Patrick Bromley. Mm-hmm. And he describes this series as being his horror comfort food. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of right on for me. I, I definitely feel the same way. I can kind of watch these movies really at any time. Um, anytime. And uh, yeah, anytime. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I've, I've watched these a lot over the years and I always find myself gravitating back to part two. I, I just think it's such a tight, uh, really well-made um, little horror slasher with likable characters and good filmmaking. And um, it's probably my favorite version of Jason in all the movies. Yeah, it is. It is interesting not really being familiar with all the other movies and coming to this one. And it really does a does you a favor by reminding you what happened in the first movie. Yeah, uh, that's the classic. They got to show some footage from the previous movie, right? <laughs> yeah. And like the bar scene, it's who Jenny and Stu and Paul, I think, do I have those names right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. They're, they're all basically like just kind of shooting the shit about Jason and like really stretching the psychology of what, you know, his mom being what she was must have done to Jason. So it's, it's really like painting this picture of like, Oh, here's what the rest of the franchise is going to be. Yeah. It's going to be these counselors. It's going to be they're hunted by Jason, uh, whose mom killed a bunch of counselors because counselors, I'm starting to slur. Sorry about that. Because because counselors, (laughs) because counselors apparently watched her son or ignored her son as he drowned, but turns out he didn't really drown. (laughs) So she's really killing for nothing. And so he just continues that lineage. Like, you know, let's just, you might as well just keep killing. We're killing because we've just always been killing these counselors might as well. Um, But it's, it's, it's yeah. Like we mentioned before, maybe off, the mic it's it's a nice tight 87 minutes which yeah. I, have to, I have to imagine includes the credits and it is like quick as soon as we hit just the the scene the titular scene for this episode you know you look down at the timestamp, and it's like 19 minutes left what good god right. like it just flies to the end after this yeah it just flies to the end this is a this is a um simple concept of a movie where the counselors show up uh some of the counselors <laughs> go to the bar and then, you know, <laughs> shit hits the fan. Jason kills a whole bunch. And then uh, the, the final girl comes back, battles Jason and it's pretty much over. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the, the transition from part one to part two. Mm-hmm. Um, and the timeline on these is really funny. And if you try to actually like nail down a timeline for Jason dying, but not really dying and, and living in the woods for 30 something years with no one knowing shack. like, yeah. In a, in a shack, that's not really that hidden. Um, with the you know, toilet. With <laughs> the that, logic. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> something toilet, I remember. Yes. <laughs> that, that's, that's something I, I remember as a kid is the cop walking around the spooky I don't know, in the woods bungalow and there's a toilet there. That's right. Like, huh, how humanizing for them to do this to Jason. Sorry, I interrupted, but that was oh, definitely no. one of those Friday memories. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, but, you know, when they made part one, when they were making that movie, they never ever imagined they were going to make a sequel. And 
right. you know, part one is, is, is like a murder mystery. It's much mm-hmm. more like an Italian giallo film where it's from the killer's point of view. You don't find out who the killer is till the very end. And then you get the big reveal. And, uh, <laughs> and she goes, it's a me. It's a me. Shallow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Italian killer. It's my black glove and my knife. I'm so- have some baked aziti. Hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you know, they the success of the first movie, they immediately realized that they needed to make a sequel. And and so they just kind of came up with this idea that, well, what if Jason is still alive? And, <laughs> and my God, thank God they did because it spawned like nine more sequels after that with the same character. But, um, yeah, this is pre-Hockey uh, Mask Jason. Um, Jason is a, a kind of a real normal person, except for his deformed face and shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, he wears that bag on his head. No hockey mask. He's not big and lumbering like uh, later Jason's are, especially when you get to like the Kane Hodder Jason's very late in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way I think that makes him a little scarier. Um, you know, in the first, uh, the, I love I'm sorry, everybody, for just going on about this, but I I love the 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 sequence of these movies and how Jason evolves because for the first four films, he really is like supposed to be a real person that just can't seem to be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in in part five, there is no Jason. Spoiler alert! It's like an Roy. imposter, yeah, the imposter killer. And then you know uh, the audience didn't like that so much. So in part six, they just have a bolt of lightning hit his uh, gravestone and he just like comes Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. And he just comes back to life and then that's it for the entire rest of the series. He's basically a zombie serial killer yeah. and um, he can, you know, it makes it easy to make another sequel because he just can't be killed. And, um, and that's fun. And I like those movies too, but I do like going back to the beginning and watching kind of regular, uh, weirdo real Jason that's in overalls and a bag head. Um, it's just a little more, feels a little more grounded, which I like. Yeah. On, on that note, what I'm noticing when I'm watching this movie, uh, one is there's a lot of nifty camera tricks or uses of the camera. There really is. There really um, is. We'll, we'll talk about it here with this given scene, just this little, whatever five, you know, six and a half minute section. Um, but there's a lot of nifty, uses of the camera and that and what I'm seeing here in this Friday the 13th or what I'm hearing about other Friday the 13th, at least in the early goings, it's just like stuff could just happen out of nowhere. Like, Oh, here he comes crashing through a window yeah, or here's a guy taking a machete to the face. Um, spoiler alert for episode. I'm just, I'm just wondering, I just have to ask, does that, is that representative of most of the rest of the series of like that creative use of camera and, uh, stuff just like randomly able to happen because that's 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 a neat little appeal I think of Friday the Thirteenth yeah part two I would definitely say the random stuff is kind of a running theme like Jason likes to find different things you know his machete is his all the time tool right um, but he does like to find interesting and creative ways to kill his victims mm-hmm. um, and uh, but in terms of like the camera work and the quality of the filmmaking it definitely varies wildly from film to film depending Mm. on who the director is i think um most people consider part five to be the most 
kind of low budget, um, poorly made film in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, also the most exploitive. There's a lot of like exploitive nudity in that film um, that kind of goes beyond <laughs> being just sort of silly and being like kind of yucky, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, this, I, I think this is one of the better made uh, Friday movies because the camera work is actually really good. And the, the shots are very deliberate and planned out and they do a really good job of kind of building the tension. And we'll talk about it. There's a lot of good fake outs in this movie as well, where you're not quite sure what's going to happen next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a the really good outs. fake out in this scene uh, that we're going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say there's at least two fake outs here in the scene. Yeah, sure. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Um, the last thing I was going to just say about the the movie as a whole is the other reason why I love part two is I feel like it's the most quote unquote pure Friday movie. Um, I, I just think it's I, in terms of like the characters, like this group of characters, I think are actually very likable. Um, there's a lot of Friday movies as the series progresses, especially where the characters start to get annoying or mean to the point where you're almost rooting for Jason to kill them. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is kind of, I think what they were going for, like Jason becomes almost like the hero in the later films where everyone's sort of cheering him on. Um, I think in, in this movie, I I like all the characters. I mean, they're hanging out, drinking, doing drugs, whatever, but it still has like a, a little, you know, bit of, they have us like some innocence to them. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And some like likability. Yeah. They're just like kids, um, you know, on their own, they're having fun, but not being stupid, um, kind of hooking up with each other, just like kids would do. And um, yeah, I will talk more about the characters in this scene, but I, I really love all the characters in this one. And uh, especially the final girl played by Amy Steele. I think, She's the best final girl in all of the the Friday movies for sure. She's oh my wow! Fave. Yeah, she's definitely my fave. She's yeah. the fave. Is that because she wields a chainsaw later on? Oh yeah. Well, and she's just um, like she's tenacious and like kind of and strong and um, and and the woman that plays her, Amy Steele, I think is a really good actress in this movie. Mm. And um, yeah, I just uh. I always, I always just loved her, her character. I thought it was, she had one of the best final girl roles for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, did you have any other kind of overarching thoughts on the film before we uh, jump to our scene here? Um, if not, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to think. Um, Cause we can talk about 1981 movies uh, after our scene. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that after the scene, I think. Gosh, yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything else. Um, do you want to talk about? Well, how about we introduce the scene and then we talk about what's at stake for the scene because this sure. is a tricky one when you when you, <laughs> when you have literally people being killed, maybe even before they know they're going to be killed, or yeah. maybe maybe without even knowing they're being they're going to be killed. But it's it's hard to call something at stake. Right, right. We can do a little meta stakes here. Maybe what's at stake for the series. Yeah. Meta stakes. Meta stakes. All right. Well, the scene we're going to talk about is uh, the timestamp is from a minute 54 and 32 seconds and goes up until about 
one hour, one minute and 13 seconds. And this is the scene where we meet uh, kind of where we see four characters uh, in the cabins kind of hooking up and hanging out in the evening while the rest of the counselors are off at the bar. And uh, it culminates with um, one of the great kills in all (laughs) of the Friday series. Um, Our boy, Mark, who is uh, in a wheelchair, gets a machete to the head. So we'll get into that when we get there. But uh, one of my favorite kills and one of the most iconic parts of this entire movie. So we had to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Good choice. And (laughs) I I think if you're listening to our last episode when you were talking about Friday the 13th, I think it was right on the tip of my tongue because it's such a famous kill. It's such just an out of nowhere kill. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When you first were talking about Friday the 13th as your choice, I couldn't help but think, Oh, it has to be machete to the wheelchair guy's face. (laughs) And it was. (laughs) I I don't remember. Like I have a a faint memory also watching this, maybe in my college years, watching Mm. this movie and just being so taken aback. Like I can't believe they just, yeah, took out this guy like that. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was just, it was, it was incredible. Just like the balls of the movie to do this. And right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, if you're watching a Friday the 13th movie, you can't help but expect a counselor to be killed, whether they're in a wheelchair or not. Right. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a yeah, little bit yeah. more about Mark and uh, his situation when we get to that part of the scene, but you're right. It's, um, it is uh, surprising and shocking and kind of tells us the audience that uh, anything can happen. And yeah. uh, I love that about it. Mm-hmm. So should we talk part one here? Let's talk part one of the scene. Oh, do we want to talk about what's at stake? Maybe like, Oh yeah. Stakes? Sorry. Yeah. We skipped over. What's at stake? What's at stake? <laughs> well, I think what's at stake here is well, in literal terms, uh, what's at stake is the lives of these counselors. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're going to see that. It's a very quick uh, path from having, uh, you know, several counselors in the cabins to just having uh, one or I guess two left at the, at the end. Um, in terms of meta stakes, uh, what's at stake here in this scene and really in this film is is setting up this franchise, right? Once they chose to make part two and make Jason the villain, um, it was opens the floodgates for, you know, many 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 sequels coming down the way as long as this movie was successful so mm-hmm. um it, it, hoping uh, in terms of the filmmakers kind of crossing their fingers hoping this one is a success because it if it is it's just going to spawn a franchise which of course it did so yeah that's a good point yeah and yeah jason really needs to be distinguishing himself with some creative kills if people are going to be remembering this character and thinking about him later uh, baghead or no, because if it's just, you know, knife, 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 that's going to be pretty boring and pretty, I don't know, by the books kind of slasher. And at this point in time, slashers are becoming very popular. Very, um, very popular. And it's also yeah. the beginning of like the sequel era where, era. you know, era, you know, like non-horror movies like Rocky starts to spawn a bunch of sequels that are successful. 
Um, you know, Halloween starts to spawn sequels. Um, and, you know, this can be a, a cash cow for the movie studio if they can get the ball rolling on this character in this, uh, this franchise. So a lot at stake here. Yeah. Mm. What's at stake? What's at stake? All right. Anything else to add for what's at stake? (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing to add. Nothing to add. (laughs) All right. Start us out. Part one of the scene. Part one is going to run from about minute 54 and 32 seconds up till minute 57 and 20 seconds. We cut away from the Jason legend talk at the bar between Ginny, Paul and Ted to a shot of Mark through a window. Mark. 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 <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He's playing a handheld hockey video game before his friend and, and fellow counselor, uh, Vicky, takes it away to play. The window POV shot now moves to the next window where we see Jeffrey and Sandra canoodling before they go upstairs. Mm. Vicky hands the game back to Mark before asking how he ended up in the wheelchair. He says that he was in a motorcycle accident and that he thinks he will not always be paralyzed. He tells Vicky that he does all right, if you know what he means. We cut back to Jeffrey playing the harmonica in bed before he and Sandra start making out. Nice. <laughs> I was trying to do that quietly. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what Jeffrey did when Vicky took off her sweater. We keep giving the underage actress. <laughs> hey yo hey now we'll, we'll get to it <laughs> yeah cut back to a smooching mark and vicky oh they oh. make plans to bunk together for the night and vicky heads out to get her things together oh, oh. now i part of the reason why i chose this scene was not only for the machete <laughs> to the head kill but i actually really like this section these couple sections we're going to talk about leading up to that kill Cause we just get this quiet moment with these characters. And like I was saying earlier, I find these characters like super likable. Um, I yeah. really love Vicky. I think she's my favorite non final girl girl character in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think she's just like super cute and lovable. Um, and she has really good chemistry with Mark played by uh, Tom McBride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vicky gives me a little bit of a Karen Allen vibe. Mm. Karen Allen from yeah, good uh, call. Raiders uh, and other movies that are not coming to my mind right now. But <clears throat> yeah, she has kind of that spunk, kind of that attitude um, where it's kind of a fun little twist where she seems more aggressively pursuing Mark. Yeah. As opposed to your, you know, maybe traditional male lead um, pursuing the female lead. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's them being really sweet and, her, you know, kind of getting to know him some and like really developing his character in, right, you know, in the slasher movie, which is probably not all that common, I don't think, because uh, slasher movies just don't have that kind of time. But they are taking the, you know, two and a half ish minutes to really develop not only Mark's personality and a little bit of his backstory, but their relationship with one another. Like they're just. It's just really sweet. It just, it just seems really natural. Like, hey, like, yeah. let's just, you know, let's just spend the night. Like, that's that's kind of how it is. Like, when you're, you know, that kind of college age. age. Like, yeah, like you want to hang out at night. Yeah, like let's, yeah, yeah let's just <laughs> let's bunk up, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, where should we go? Let's yeah. go right now. Um, yeah, no, and you're you're kind of rooting for them, right? Like, yeah. 
like Mark, I, you know, I don't want to presume anything about his character, but I imagine the, the wheelchair thing might get a little bit in the way of, uh, you know, him talking to some ladies or maybe his self-confidence. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and she's so sweet and clearly likes him and he likes her back. You're just kind of rooting for these two characters. And it's kind of an awe moment um, between the two of them. And, uh, and Vicky's just cool too. Like she pulls out the joint and is like, and that line always makes me laugh when she's like, want a toke? <laughs> I was watching a documentary about, um, there's a great documentary called uh, uh, Crystal Lake Memories. Mm. Um, it's like a four hour documentary where they talk about every movie in the series. And so I watched the part two section and they interview her and, and she uh, fully admits that everyone on set was laughing at her while she was doing that scene because she had no idea what she was doing with that joint. <laughs> she was not a, a, a weed smoker in any sense. So she was really out of her element in that part. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. But it still comes across as really sweet. Um, sharing this little video game, which, right, we have no idea what it is or what it looks like. Yeah, that little video yeah. game is so funny. They're like playing the little hockey handheld. It's kind of like those Tiger handheld games. I guess, yeah. but this is 81. So yeah, yeah. I, I have the feeling it's just more like mechanical of a game than electronic. Like there's no little fake beeps or boops. It's just kind of like click. Right, pipe. right. Um, so I, I'd, be, I'd be interested to know what it was being a lifelong video gamer, but I'm not too worried that it's not telling us like one looks, one of the video games looks like it has like a little knob on that reminds me of kind of like a, a pong. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, like it looks like there's something covering up what you would think would be the screen, the right where the action is going on. Right. And so on the other hand, we've got um, Jeffrey and Sandra who have already kind of uh, established that they are a couple earlier in the movie. Either Mm -hmm. they came to the camp as a couple or as soon as they were there, they kind of hooked up right away because they're, you know, they're not uh, flirting and, and, and making plans. They know exactly what they're going to be doing later. Yeah. Pound town. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Sandra's kind of, kind of spunky. She's a little feisty. She leads him upstairs and, I love that he's playing the harmonica. It's such yeah. a funny little detail. And there's no, you know, there's no score going on in this section of the movie, except for when the camera's outside at the very beginning. Um, and a little later on when the camera moves back outside, we'll get the score again. But in this little section we're talking about, it's all quiet. And so to have that little harmonica playing is just kind of a fun detail. Adds a little, it, it makes it, it makes the setting feel quiet and isolated um, mm-hmm. when all you can hear is him playing that little harmonica. It's great. All right. It's almost like a little slice of life we're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Like counselor hygiene, counselor canoodling, um, versus like a time where we're supposed, we're suspecting that we're, as opposed to a time where we're like suspecting that they're all just about to be murdered. It's just like, this is a little <laughs> slice of life. Like if right. Jason's not there, Baghead is not there. They're just going to, you know, hook up and do their thing, have a good time. Uh, and do some more counselor training in the morning. Were, were you ever uh, a camp kid, Jeff? I don't think we ever, ever talked about that. Were you ever like going to camp in the summertime? You know, I was uh, good. That's a good one. We don't think we have talked about that. I, I was not a camp kid. Okay. Um, I had other friends that would go off and do like one week, two week summer camps every, every summer. And they always would talk about going to camp and, you know, like, 
I know that for some kids, camp was a big deal. And like you almost had sort of a different life every year at camp and you'd have your camp girlfriend or boyfriend for two <laughs> weeks and then you would never see him again or whatever. Um, but no, I, I never went away to camp. I went to a camp once, but it was like the camp that was sponsored by my elementary school where we all went for like a three day weekend or whatever it right. was. Nobody's hooking up then. No, it was like fifth grade. Like we're right. all 10 or 11, you know. Um, no real camp hijinks happening then. So, and no, I never worked as a counselor or anything either. So I, I unfortunately don't have a lot of personal camp memories. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to these movies. Yeah. I, I want, I want my own camp experience <laughs> minus the, <laughs> the baghead killer with the machete. <laughs> or, or because of the baghead murder right. with the machete. Like we don't, we don't look at some, being someone who never went to camp, maybe that's something you would, Always be thinking about going Maybe. to camp. Did you go to camp? Were you a camp kid? Uh, I mean, kind of. I was in the Boy Scouts growing oh, okay. up. So sure. every summer we would have this camp experience where you go to the camp and you're during summer camp, especially that's where you go to a very large camp. And there's so many different uh, grouping sites around this giant campground where you have, who knows, like a few hundred Boy Scouts there. Hmm. Um was anyone ever murdered? No one has ever murdered, but we did tell <laughs> stories in Tennessee, in Knoxville, Tennessee, at this summer camp in the woods in um, Rockwood. Mm. Um, man, what I can't, if I really thought about it hard, I think it was Camp Buck Toms. I think that's the name All right. of the camp. We would sit around and tell stories of John Merrick, who was very much like a Jason like figure who lived in the woods. Yeah. Who, yeah, who would like, yeah, murder people. Like, it's, it's I think this is the first time I've ever actually talked about this out loud since I was a boy scout. Like, oh, wow. Crazy. And that was like my Tennessee days. So that was way back in the day, but de- yeah. definitely had that summer camp experience of not necessarily being in the cabin. I'll say that like there are very few cabins in the boy scout life. There's yeah. it's very much like a frame, not a frame. Sorry. Very much like these canvas tents, like these old military green tents. Oh, canvas tents. They weren't even like bunk houses. No, not even bunk houses. And you'd pair up with, uh, another Boy Scout, and you both have like your trunks there. I mm. what, they call, what are they called? Footlockers, right? You have right. Your footlocker, and have all your stuff for the week. Um, uh, definitely some good memories doing that summer camp. I guess when I watch the Friday the Thirteenth movies, I don't understand what kind of camp are they running. What's what's the point? Is it like specifically like a Jewish day camp, or is it <laughs> right. just a camp to go camping? I'm, I'm not familiar with I, that I, outside of Boy Scouts. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like just a summer camp for kids mm. where they're going to have like groups of kids up there for a couple weeks at a time and they'll probably cycle through several groups over the summer. And I think in both part one and part two, the idea is that we are catching up with these counselors before the kids come. Like they are up there to do the trainings, to set mm-hmm. up the camp and get everything ready for when the kids actually show up. That's always been my take. Um, of course, we never see any kids. Thank goodness they right. aren't, aren't killing any children. It, although in part six, there are actual kids at the camp. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That's the only time I can think of where there were actual like little kids at the camp while Jason is there. Oh, is that um, where the kids say we're dead meat? In the- yeah. 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 Part six is very, very like meta. It's kind of a, a parody of itself. It's the one where Jason comes back with the bolt of lightning. Right. Um, and Jason there's a lot lives. of, yeah, Jason lives. There's a lot of kind of 
inside jokiness uh, in the film about the Jason sort of being this undead killing machine. There's a lot of one-liners. There's no nudity. It's just all like Jason. It's not got the highest kill count at the time. It was the highest kill count of any Jason movie. Um, right. Yeah. So anyway, that one is, is a really fun Friday movie. It's, um, it's, it's, you know, they were bringing Jason back for the masses. And so they wanted to do it in like a really fun, big kind of loud way. And so, they kind of made it a little more meta, you know, comedic in that sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they knew what they were doing by part seven. Right. Right. They, they knew what kind of movie they're making. They're being aware. That, that's good. I like that. I yeah. Like the awareness. Yeah. Part six is really fun. For a long time, I uh, cited part six as my favorite, but um, I, I've, I've turned the corner. I come back to part two now. Part, part two. two. I hear good things about Part four as well, although part some four is say also good too. Yeah, part four is like the most brutal, is what one podcast I listened to said. Yeah, it's it's got you know it's got a lot of kills in it too. But the you know part four is called the final chapter, so it's supposed to be it's at the end of part four, Jason is like definitively killed. Um, right. So it's kind right. of the it's the end of this kind of quadrilogy that we get in the beginning of the series. Um, it's it's the end of Jason as a real human. Um, and uh, also has Corey Feldman. So there's that. Ah, Don yeah. Hello. I love yeah. Hello. You're a claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Should we get to part two here? Are we ready? Oh, oh last thing I want to oh, say, sorry. because sorry. I don't remember if we come, I don't think we come back to Jeff and Chandra. Sorry, Sandra. Oh yeah. We were, that's who we were talking about. Okay. So a couple of details. Uh, one, just fact we can't, help but avoid or can't help but um acknowledge is the fact that she is either 16 or 17 in this movie sandra the actress um i don't have her act i don't have her that's why she does not appear nude yeah right even though they originally filmed the nude scenes right that's the, yeah it's about the sketchiest thing you could ever Oops. Yeah. <laughs> say as a movie maker like oh we didn't know she was 16 like well <laughs> marta cobra was yeah and indeed underage so you have to cut those yeah uh, things probably my other idea. my other point was that uh jeff to me looks a hey jeff hey um that's cool um uh, looks a lot like bon jovi to me like mm. when he's laying down in the bed he, I don't know if you caught that, but um, yeah, he's that. got some he's got some Jovi vibes. I can he's see really, that. He's playing the he has that big Jovi smile. I would say like looking at 50, yeah fifty six thirty fifty six forty. Like he has the Bon Jovi, even like the nineties Bon Jovi kind of hair. Like it's all feathery and out totally. there, and blonde and playing the harmonica. It's like man, that's that, that's amazing. Like we killed. Kevin Bacon in the first movie. Now we're killing Bon Jovi <laughs> right, in this movie. Right. Um, and I couldn't help but think of the Kevin Bacon kill when he's laying back with that big hair. Yeah. Well, there's similarities to how Jeffrey is killed off and how Kevin Bacon is killed off. Right. Because Kevin Bacon's both- killed off with an arrowhead and he's yeah. killed off with some kind of spear. Right. And actually... That kill in the original cut was much more gruesome than what we get in the theatrical release. Um, they they put together this whole big elaborate um, gag where the camera was above them and Sandra was underneath his body, but his body was a um, just bodies, just just bodies, just bodies. <laughs> his 
the body was actually a, a, a model, like a fake body made out of rubber and silicone. Hmm. And he was like kneeling under like, you know, there was like a hole in the bed and he was like kneeling there. So his head could be there on top of Sandra. Right. And then Jason comes down with the spear and we actually see the spear thing go into his back oh. and, and a, a bunch, a whole bunch of blood. And I guess it's super gory. And then they cut to below the bed and you see the spear come out. And in the final cut, the MPAA made them take that out. They said it was too gory and it would have resulted in an X rating. Right. And they had to cut that gag after all that work. And all we get is, you know, the spear, the bloody spear hitting the floor. We don't get to yeah. see the actual gore gag, which is it's, unfortunate. It's kind of anticlimactic when they go out because it's like, right. it's so brutal, I guess, in your mind's eye, but not being able to see it. It's like, okay, so we poke them through with this little spear thing but like you you're living well past that like are you spearing them in the face afterwards are you you know cutting throats but we see later like where he's not like doing anything past that because we see right jeff's corpse just kind of hanging by a sheet yeah later like oh, and she's oh. like just dead in the bed yeah <laughs> right yeah right and that really cool scene i have to say that's outside of our scene we're talking about today but we're Vicky comes in and Jason sits up off the bed. Yes. That is terrifying. That is like, yeah. you mentioned that before about baghead, just Jason versus hockey mask. Jason, I don't know if hockey mask Jason ever has a point where he's just kind of interrupted almost like, or just waiting and just kind of stands up. That is just terrifying. Yeah. This is where baghead Jason is being a little, a little tricky, a little trickster. Yeah. Uh, hiding under the covers like that. Like he could have just hid behind the door and killed her when she came into the room. But no, he deliberately gets under the covers and scares her before, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, I, I feel so sad when Vicky gets it. She's one of my favorite characters and she gets so scared she can't even move and then she just gets stabbed. Yeah. Oh, poor Vicky. What, what did she ever do? Make plans to have sex? Come on, Jason. <laughs> I know, I know. She was token up some reefer. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, should we talk part two here? Where do we leave off here? Are you ready to talk part two of the scene? Part two of part two? Part two of part two. <laughs> Let's do it. My favorite of all the parts. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, part two. We're going to run from about minute 57 and 20 seconds all the way up to one hour and three seconds. We cut to the interior of the cabin next door as Vicky enters. She plugs in the lights and begins to change her clothes. She picks out her special underwear to change into and then continues changing as we then cut to an exterior shot of her, this time looking in at her from the trees outside her window. Cut back to Vicky inside, putting on her perfume everywhere. (laughs) She hears some rattling, then goes outside in her underwear to fix the rattling window, goes back into the cabin to grab something, probably her car keys, and then runs out to her car. She opens the car door and looks for something, finally finding it. It was a hairbrush before closing the car door. And then begins to rain, as evidenced by the falling raindrops on the leaves and the streetlight. Hmm... Now, this is the big fake out of this whole sequence we're talking about, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I think you have a couple fake outs. One where um, Vicky is trying to plug in the lights and like she's looking around for the light source. And for me, like mirrors are always such a staple of mm-hmm. horror movies, staple or 
slasher movies that she goes to plug it in and not long after she's posing in front of the mirror and the camera, right. It's just showing her in the mirror. And yeah, if you know anything about slashers or horror movies, like the bad guy's going to show up in the mirror, but he never does. And that's something that's, I don't know, so clever for its time. Yeah. That's a little bit of a fake out. You're right. Like in any other horror movie, she, you know, she, the camera moves into the mirror or she, she steps into it or, or like the classic, like closing the mirror, cabinet you yes. know in the in the bathroom and something's behind but you're right then there's nothing there and um and she just keeps on going about her business here getting all ready mm-hmm. she puts on that sweater which i always chuckle a little bit like she puts on is it her sexy sweater i don't <laughs> <you> know <laughs> her choice her choices here as she's changing are kind of funny i have to say right can you remind me does she put on pants later or is she just like this the whole rest of the way i think she's like this the rest of the way okay which uh you know maybe feels a little exploitive I'd say like yeah, a lot exploitive. Yeah. I mean, when, I mean, she's changing her clothes, so it makes sense. She's in her underwear, but you know, especially when she goes outside to the car and like, she's bent over, like looking in the car and the camera just sort of lingers on her, on her butt, <laughs> you know, right. in her undies. Um, that's a little exploitive, but that's also a big part of this fake out. Like we're fully expecting that POV, that, that camera shot to be a POV shot. Mm-hmm. And it still may be there. It's not clear as to that's if that's actually Jason lurking behind her or not. But right. in, in any event, she gets what she's looking for and closes the car door and goes back inside without anything happening to her yet. You know, right. She even has the kind of funny line. Oh, there you are. There you are. Like if, if you're listening to this, but not necessarily watching it closely, yeah. you might be thinking, Oh, she's saying, Oh, there you are to right, someone behind her as she's looking for the, the hairbrush. I now see it's a hairbrush. I don't know why I didn't see it was a hairbrush. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's recap. Fine. I thought it was maybe like a toothbrush. She's going to brush out her hair. Yeah, yeah. She's brush that hair. She's wearing the sexy sweater and the sexy brown panties. I know. <laughs> that's that's the other funny choice. Is <laughs> kind of these brown like silky panties. All right. <laughs> but you're at camp. You know, you're at camp. You're probably not bringing like your finest delicates. Your light blues and your chartreuses and your taupes and your what are some other periwinkles? Well, it's kind of funny because the undies that she takes off are like they look like they're kind of like sexy black undies, but then. I guess those aren't good enough. So she puts on the brown ones. I don't know. <laughs> it's for later because she knows if she's killed, she'll defecate herself upon death. <laughs> it'll blend in. Right, it'll blend in. It's like, well, good thing I wore them with the brown panties. Right. Okay. A couple other funny things about this little part. I like when yeah. she walks in and, and the lamp is unplugged and she says, Terry, you turkey. <laughs> And by this time, Terry's dead, right? Yeah. Terry yeah. has like the one, I don't know. I, I think it's the one off-screen death and we never know what happens to Terry. That's until, right. That's until right. Until we see the bodies, right? Piled around Mrs. Voorhees' head. Just bodies. Just bodies. Just bodies. Yeah, yeah. He gets the off-screen death, unfortunately. No, she. Or she. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Terry's the one yeah. who skinny dips alone in the lake. Right, right, yeah. That's <laughs> that's the um, you know. There's a thing with these movies and and nudity and and like I was saying, as the films progress, the nudity definitely starts to feel more and more exploitive. 
that's the only time in this movie that I feel like there's blatant nudity just for the sake of nudity. You know, when she goes skinny dipping, I also find it very strange. Like who is walking out to a lake at night? (laughs) Like how cold, like that water's gotta be like cold and like filled with algae. Like that's kind of like still stagnant water. And it's nighttime. She's like, I'm going to go swimming. Like, I would all by herself. I don't know. I think that's an odd choice. I I fear swimming in lakes during the day. Like, cause you just don't know what's down there. Some kind of fish that's going to nibble at your toes. And now you're doing it in the dark. Who even knows? Come on, Terry. Gross. Don't go in that like swampy lake water. Disgusting. Don't go in there. Gross. <laughs> All right. And then the other funny thing we, we can't just let slide by is uh, her perfume wearing is, yes. is pretty funny. She gets the squirt of perfume on her neck, a little down her shirt. Okay. That makes sense. But then into the undies. Yeah. I think that's realistic. I think mm. some people want to cover everything with the not perfume. just like the pits and up here, but also down there because mm. you don't know when you're going to have a guest. Um, you know, down there. I don't know. Perf- perfume is kind of chemically, right? Wouldn't that be a little irritating? I mean, I don't yeah. know. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me walk through the process. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I guess at the same time, yeah, perfume can also be overpowering. It's kind of like, okay, maybe too much for what we need in the moment. So, but yeah. you know, she's, she's young. She's, she's a young. She's yeah. trying things out. You're right. Yeah. She just, just wants it to be special. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're her good undies she wants them to smell nice yeah yeah and yeah if you're gonna yeah hook up with a cute counselor dude you know you don't want to you want to smell nice you want to look nice sure i i get you know i i still love vicky so uh she can't she can do no wrong in my eyes oh vicky vicky's wonderful like yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah I'm almost surprised by the time the scene turns when she's killed and she's not becoming the final girl but yeah, yeah, you know, no, I know that's unfortunate. Yeah, I just don't think they gave her enough, you know, knowing of Jason and the mom to give us that foreshadowing early on. Yeah. All right. So just a couple things about like the overall feeling of this scene that I really like. Um, this whole sequence really does a good job of building the tension, right? We get the fake out. We can't quite tell where Jason is. I mean, we get some POV shots, but it's not always clear if the camera is a POV shot or if it's just, you know, camera work. And uh, there's a really cool kind of pan as she goes outside to the car where the, Oh, a great pan. This is what I was yeah. talking about. The fun movie making. Yeah, yeah. The pan. And then the focus to her being outside is a really neat little touch there. It kind of gives us some geography of the space. Um, we'll kind of see how far away she is from the cabin. And yeah, uh, yeah it's just a really good little detail that I love. Yeah, it's it's really nifty. Um, they do it later when Jenny's being chased by Jason. Uh, specifically, she runs into, I think it's Miss Voorhees' cabin or Jason's cabin. And then from the outside, you see Jason for a f- full few seconds running up to the cabin before he yes. bursts in. And yes, yes. Yeah, so they're, they're setting up that shot, but it's really nifty. You have to really appreciate the vision of someone to say, we're going to trust the audience to know that this is the same character. I don't personally, I don't think it's the same character mm. running. I don't think it's the same actress running out, but um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's given the audience a lot of credit for saying like, just stay with the shot. Right. And that, that's kind of like the theme of your scene that you chose here, Jeff was the, 
the way they stick with shots for long periods of time. Long time, yeah. So yeah, much just really out. dragging things out. That's what I. That's what I mean when they, they're kind of building the tension. Like we feel like something's going to happen, mm-hmm. but it, nothing is happening, and like we're just waiting. Like when is it going to happen? When is something going to happen here? Because we know it is, mm-hmm. and we're waiting for it. But they really drag it out. And the other thing that really helps with that is the score or lack of, right? right? When every time the camera is inside the cabin, we have no score and it's just hmm. quiet. And then whenever the camera moves outside and we're looking in, presumably from the perspective of Jason, the score kicks in. And that's kind of tells the audience that, oh, we're sort of seeing things from Jason's perspective or, um, you know, something is going to happen here pretty soon. We get that classic yeah, Jason, uh, Jason score. So I love that. Yeah. Can you tell me what is that supposed to represent something? I don't know the symbolism behind that. That is, that is the sound that um, was originally created in part one for every time uh, the killer shows up on screen. They, they do that. And uh, I think it was in part one um, that it was developed, but basically what it's, they took, they mentioned this in the documentary, they took a soundbite of Mrs. Voorhees, Betsy Palmer, saying um, some line like, uh, kill, the line had the word kill in it and mom in it. Kill her, and, mommy. Yeah, yes, I think that was it, kill her, mommy. And they took the ki, the kill sound, and they took the ma, the ma sound, and they pumped it into this like little echoer gadget uh, synthesizer thing they had in the early eighties mm-hmm. and turned it into that sound. And it became like the Jason sound. So every time we are ramping up to a Jason scene or we're in his perspective, his POV, they play that in the background. And that is a sound that has carried on throughout all of the Friday films, all the way up till the, the remake even in uh, 2009. The infamous sound of which means the killer is nearby. However, it turns out it's not chi ha ha ha, but it's really ki ki ma ma ma. The ki and the ma is a shorter version of the famous line, killer mommy killer, which is all played in the head of Pamela Voorhees during her killing spree of 1979. Even in the remake? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's not supposed to be Jason making that sound, it's just a part of the score. Yeah, it's huh. yeah, it's kind of like maybe, the piano okay. keys for Michael Myers in Halloween, you know. Right. Same same idea. Yeah. Like maybe this is what Jason hears. Like he's always hearing the. Yeah, yeah. Mommy. Like maybe that's inside his head. Right. 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 Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's it's iconic. It's the classic Jason sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, spooky stuff. I know. Oh man, John, we're almost there. Right. I, like we're almost to the moment. Development, that's maybe that's another reason. Like <laughs> I kind of avoid these kind of movies because you start to know these characters a little bit and then they just kill them off. I like these characters. I like, 
I like when the characters I like live. Oh. I know. Sorry, you're watching the wrong movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. You're watching the wrong franchise, buddy. You're in the yeah. wrong franchise. Well, you know, we get we get Ginny. She makes it to the end. And uh, yeah. the other head counselor, shoot, I'm forgetting his name right now, um, uh, Paul. Paul Holt. Paul. Paul makes it to the end. Yeah. And then there's Ted, who is left at the bar. Do we ever see what happens to Ted? We don't. Ted just stayed behind at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, man, good thing I just had too many that night. Right, right. He he, uh, he missed out on all the fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we never find out what happens to Paul either, right, at the end of the movie? Uh, that's true. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because Jason jumps through the window and we get we finally get to see his face. Right. And then after that whole sequence, they just cut to Ginny on the uh, paramedics uh, gurney. Right. And she's saying, Paul, where's Paul? Where's Paul? And we never find out. So mm. we don't know if he was killed or if he made it. Yeah. They don't let us know. Hmm. Mm. Mystery. Yeah, mystery. So they never even come back in part three and like just kill off the characters early on like they killed off. Uh, the I, character, main character from the first one here, right? I don't think so. I'm less familiar with part three. That's one of the entries in the series that I've seen the least. Um, so okay. I can't say that off the top of my head, but um, I don't think we do find out whatever happens to him. Yeah. Interesting. Now, now I'm curious, but yeah. I don't think that's ever going to be answered. Someone out there might know better than us. Please send us an email, leave a comment. Um, what happens to Paul? <laughs> yeah, what happened to Paul? Um, last thing I'll say about this middle section, part two of part two, <laughs> is I love the little detail as she closes the door. She's locking her car clearly because she does the thing where you hold up the handle as you close the door. I don't know if you remember oh, having yeah, a car. The, the old style. Old. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You would lock a car door, and before you close it, you'd have to hold the handle up as you close the door for it to remain locked. Yes, kind of as like a little safeguard of accidentally locking yourself out of your car absolutely absolutely yeah. who, like who knew right why that was the case but like you're saying maybe it was a safeguard but it's, it's really cool to see a little time capsule in the movie it is yeah that's a fun little detail a little blast from the past that uh just doesn't exist anymore that's a mm -hmm. nice nice catch i never noticed that before yeah yeah all right. I think we've built up to it long enough. Are you ready to talk about part three of part two? No. <laughs> Here we go, John. Mark. 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 Now, this Mark. last section is only going to be about one minute. We're going to go from one hour and four seconds to one hour, one minute and 13 seconds. As lightning flashes, we cut to Mark rolling up to the door and asking if Vicky is there. He continues through the door then goes outside. Rain and lightning continue as Mark looks around with his back now to the camera and to the stairs. He calls out to Vicky again and continues to look around in one direction. Out of nowhere, a machete is swung from out of frame and directly into Mark's head. Mark goes before his wheelchair with his dead body rolls backwards down two small stairs and then down a very long flight of rain-soaked stairs. We quick zoom in on his descending wheelchair and body as the frame freezes and then fades to white. What? End of scene. Oh, uh, Mark. 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 Oh. 
And this is what we've been building to. All of previous scenes here has been building the tension. We feel like Vicky might get it. We feel like because Sandra and Jeff are upstairs having sex that they're going to get it because that's what happens in these movies. But no, the one guy who's just hanging out in his wheelchair gets it first. How shocking is this death, John? It is very shocking. Um, they're definitely doing the fake out with the from behind Mark yeah. shot where you think, oh, he's going to you know, take a spike to the back of the head or his throat's yeah. going to be slit or he's going to be stabbed through his back. But it's, it's instead someone maybe slightly to his right hammering, just hammering <laughs> the back of a machete into his face. Yeah. Then he rolls away. It is it is hard for me to watch. Just it's, it's a brutal kill. Like you feel it. It's not like one of these kind of like oh well. Here's the spear going into paper mache. It's like his head shakes. He makes the uh, uh, sounds before yeah. he starts rolling away. Um, it even gives you a cut, and I made sure to include that picture from his IMDb. It's literally this picture where the machete's <laughs> awesome. been hammered into his face, and he—that's yeah, the and, thing too—is yeah. it's not—it's not into his neck. He doesn't get decapitated. No, it doesn't go into his shoulder. It goes directly into his face, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it just stays there, and he's stuck with the machete going across his face and eye and forehead. And then to add insult to injury, he starts rolling down the stairs. Like probably the most terrifying thing that can happen to someone in a wheelchair is to lose control and start flying down the stairs. And not only does that happen to him, but he has a machete in his face while it's happening. The whole time. Yeah. Jason, weirdly, strangely, I'm sure it's against character for him to do this, but like leaves the machete in his face. Yeah. Yeah. As he rolls back there. Yeah. So he has to use some other means later on for his kills. All right. So this is, although it is brutal and shocking when it happens, I I chose this because it is one of my favorite Friday deaths of all time. Uh, Because when this happens, this tells us the viewer that in this movie, anybody can die at any time and no one is safe. And Mark being one of the first ones to get it here tells us all we need to know about the rest of this movie. And frankly, the rest of this franchise that you never quite know what to expect. There is going to be no mercy for any characters when Jason is around. Right. Whether you are in camp in Manhattan <laughs> right. in space, space. <laughs> yeah like you're just yeah you're sleeping yeah you're Freddy Krueger it's just it doesn't really matter like you're you're fair game to Jason and yeah it's it's so hard for me to see these characters and learn about these characters that little bit just that little bit of development like why do you do this slasher movie why do you make me like these characters <laughs> um just to have them killed off. And from what it sounds like from you and from other things I've heard is that as the movies go on, they make the characters less likable. So you're they not do. Yeah. rooting for them as much as you're rooting for Jason, which is an interesting take. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. Well, uh, if, if, yeah, it fluctuates, you know, but definitely as time goes on, like there are definitely some characters in part three that are unlikable that we are happy to see die. Cause they're kind of like bully characters. Um, and 
it really happens like you really start to notice it in part five where oh, there's a whole bunch of characters that are just despicable that you, like I said, you're kind of rooting for Jason to kill. And, and that's kind of a theme in some of the later movies. Um, they bring things kind of back around again in part seven. Part seven is a little closer, I think, to the uh, first few movies and then it's a smaller setting and the characters are a little more likable. But even there, you've got some characters that are like, kind of bullying uh, the shy main character. And um, you don't get any of that. I don't think with any of these characters in part two, like there's no one, I can't point to anyone in part two that I'm like, Oh, they're kind of annoying or they're a bully or um, I'm, I'm happy to see them go. Like I, I kind of like this whole cast, you know, this whole group. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you feel about the freeze frame here at the end? <laughs> It feels weird. It feels. It like, is weird. Yeah. And normally, freeze frame is reserved for I don't know the end of a movie. <laughs> yeah, it feels. Uh, it's a little strange. It's a little, and then it fades to white instead of black. Is also a little strange. Right. Um. I yeah. I kind of wonder if they did that to just sort of like let the audience dwell on what just happened for just like another second or two, um, to really take it in. But it is kind of a funny effect right in the middle of the movie. It it sticks out. Yeah, and it right cuts to not that far away. I think. I think if you're cutting like that from a white, I don't know, washout scene that you'd be expecting to cut back to the bar or cut mm-hmm. to some other action far away. Instead, it just cuts back to Sandra and Jeff. And then yeah. Jason, Jason <laughs> immediately shows up where they are. Um, not to say he had a long way to go because he didn't. He just had to kind of climb the stairs after killing Mark. Right. right. But the, yeah, that freeze frame and fade to white, it is... It is weird. It's, it's music video-esque is what that reminds me of. Yeah, it kind of is. And and you're right. They cut right back to Jason. This is past our scene. But then from here on out, it's just, you know, he goes on his little mini killing spree. Right. And um, everybody just starts dying. And then we get into the final sequence with uh, Amy Steele and, and everything. Um, but this really kicks it all off is this death with Mark. Mark. Um, in terms of the shot itself, apparently they built like a track for the wheelchair to run down the stairs on. Um, but when I watch this, it, it doesn't seem like the wheelchair's on a track. It really seems like it's bouncing around and it kind of like moves to the side of the stairs at one point and then back to the middle. Right. It really seems precarious, like at any moment that it could flip over. But, but that's must, not a real person in there, right? I don't think so. Okay. But uh I should. Oh shoot! I watched the documentary thing last night, and they were talking about it. And I can't, I can't imagine they put a real person in that wheelchair. But, um, but still, they had to like set it all up so that the chair went down without falling, but also making it look realistic. And when I look at the shot over and over again, I, I can't see any sort of track there. But that's the word they used when they were describing how they set that up. So track. It's a little bit of movie magic there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see a track either, but I do notice that the scene is repeated as it shows the wide shot of him falling right. backwards and he runs into the railing and the close up before it fades to white zooms in on him is that he runs into the that uh what is it, the railing? The Yeah. Because it's yeah, the side of the stairs the there. Yeah, the side yeah. of the stairs a couple different times, but it's the same shot just repeated, but still just the most brutal way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I just unplugged my headphones. Hang on. Oh, ayo. But yeah, it's just the most brutal way to go out adding 
yeah, purely adding insult to injury. Like, how can we make this work? Well, we, we can. We, how can we make this worse? We can Norberg this guy down <laughs> the stairs. It's also like the Mac and Me clip, right, where the kid flies oh, down the hill. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh, just goes flying off that cliff. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it is great. Oh man, we did it. We got through it. We we met all of our characters. We saw our our one of our favorites, Mark. Get it here. Mark. I feel like we did this. We really did this justice. Uh, that was fun to talk through. Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, did Did you learn anything new watching this scene for this podcast? Mm. You know, I really kind of just appreciated the deliberate sort of set up leading up to this kill. I'd always known this kill was one of my favorites because it's so shocking, but going back and rewatching this several times, like I really appreciate how we were faked out several times along the way and we can't really tell who's going to get it. And then it's kind of the person you least suspect is going to get it, gets it. And uh, I, I really like how that tension builds in it and it leads to this climax, if you will. So okay. I, that, that became kind of a new appreciation for me, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, what I was really <clears throat> uh, noticing this time around after watching it, I think, like I said, a few years ago, back in my college years was just how much I liked the characters. And that's something yeah. that comes from right. Repeated viewings of the same scene over and over again, much like our movies by minute. Um, podcast yeah. back in the day predator minute yeah where you watch something over and over again and you pick out little nuances and little things that you like about the character only to have the character die <laughs> in the most right. brutal fashion there's there's right it's, it's not dying of old age it's not dying off screen like uh terry earlier in this movie it's no he's 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 dying in a horrible way and worse things are happening to his body afterwards yeah yeah, yeah. poor mark well, hey, should we talk uh, films from 1981 for a moment? Let's do it. You might call this the year of the slasher. I'm just question marking that right now. What when I when I was checking the list, like a this lot is of prime slashers, prime slasher, prime like classic 80s horror time yeah. period. Now we don't see any of these uh, these horror films show up in the top ten which we'll run through here for 1981. Number one, of course, is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. Number two, Oscar winning, I believe, on Golden Pond. Yes. Uh, Then followed by Superman 2, Arthur, Stripes, The Cannonball Run, Chariots of Fire, For Your Eyes Only, The Four Seasons, and Time Bandits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can't believe how high up time bandits is that's pretty shocking yeah. i don't remember have you do you remember seeing that movie that's definitely one i have memories of the kids specifically as a kid i actually don't i don't have any memory of ever having seen time bandits specifically the end moment where the kid comes back from his adventures with the time bandits mm. and then like a mysterious rock is like in the microwave or something like that and he tells his parents don't touch the rock and they touch it and then they disappear Oh, <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> oh man, it is, and, and that's that's totally Terry Gilliam uh, from the oh. um, Monty Python crew. But he yeah. was like the darkest one. He he had great great ideas, but he would also come up with some dark stuff like Brazil, oh, yeah. the Adventures of 
Baron Munchausen, Twelve Monkeys, Fearing Fear and Loathing, Loathing. Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was very stylistic and yeah, had some dark uh dark stuff. Twelve monkeys is one I really like that he did. Yeah, uh, it's, a it's, a, it's a good one. This but, is a fun list though. It's a good mix of like drama and and kind of fun action movie and then also comedies, you know. Um yeah. having stripes, Arthur, Cannonball Run all up there in like Four, five, and six is pretty interesting. <laughs> kind of gives you yeah. a window into 1981. Yeah. Well, James Bond. I remember watching, man, this is one of my first movie going experiences when I, when I was, I must have been wow. one and a half, two years old when I saw For Your Eyes Only. Oh, wow. In theaters <laughs> with my dad because that's the one where James Bond at the end throws a little pin from the other agent, I think it's Felix, uh-huh. into the bad guy's car and the bad guy's car after the pen lands in the car, tumbles down the cliff. And I remember being a Mercedes. And I remember seeing this in the theater, just <laughs> like, okay. Like I can't believe like watching these traumatic things as a kid, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, other horror movies and slashers. Yeah. Should we go through a couple of these? Do you want me to read off a few of these? Please. I highlighted in green the ones that showed up as slasher genre. Okay. So I'll read off some of the slashers and then there's some other, horror kind of classic horror movies from this year as well. So in terms of slashers, we've got, well, it sounded, I've never heard of this, but there was one called scream, I guess from 1981. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My bloody Valentine maniac, the fun house eyes of a stranger night school graduation day, the burning the fan happy birthday to me dead and buried final exam road games, student bodies, deadly blessing just before dawn Hell Night, uh, Nightmare, Halloween 2, and The Prowler. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. I've seen a, I've seen uh, many of those. Not all of them, though. <laughs> yeah, and I, I went ahead and posted the picture for final exam. And, like, I don't know how you can't look at that and think about Friday the 13th, yeah. part one and part two, that are posters. It's very similar. It's strikingly similar. But when I was watching highlights of, final exam and the kills there it's very repetitive it's mostly just a big you know kitchen knife that the guy is killing people with so very repetitive it's funny because after the success of the first friday the 13th it makes sense that the next year there's a whole bunch of copycat slashers that come out and on top of that they all have like a gimmick right friday the 13th was like kind of a superstitious date and so we get things like my bloody valentine um, we get uh, graduation day, happy birthday to me, final exam. Like uh, they all kind of have like uh, that little sort of holiday gag or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that was definitely a theme here. So on top of all these slashers, we've also got some other like great horror movies. Um, Scanners, Zombie 2, also known as just Zombie, um, <laughs> Omen 3, The Howling, Night Riders, uh, what else? American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. um, Evil Dead, one of my favorites, mm-hmm. um, and Ghost Story. So a pretty amazing year for 80s 
horror films, 1981. Wow. Mm-hmm. Dan, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the non-horror slasher movies that yeah. stood out to me. You have things like Thief, which is an excellent, excellent Michael Mann movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that might have been something, honestly, I recommended way back in the Predator Minute days. Oh, really? Um, but that's a you know Michael Mann film. It's, it, it has some really good procedural scenes where someone's cracking a safe, but they're showing <laughs> James Caan, the safe cracker, basically just do it from start to finish, like what it actually looks like cracking the safe. It's just That's cool. You know, I haven't seen that movie in ages. I should rewatch it. Yeah. 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 Michael Mann is kind of like the YouTube, how to do something before there's YouTube. It's like, <laughs> here's how you crack a safe. Here's how you, what was Manhunter about? Serial killer. Never mind. It was about uh, Manhunter is about um, a Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Right. It's Hannibal Lecter helping yeah. the first thing, the first person, who's it, the, the Tooth Fairy or something like that. Oh, that's that. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. killer there. But yeah. um, you have Caveman, which is the Ringo Starr film where he's literally a caveman. I remember watching that so many times on oh, really? <laughs> cable. Yeah, and they, they find a big egg and they're eating this giant egg. Yeah, and they're <laughs> later finding it. a bunch of dinosaur poop and they're like hanging out in the dinosaur poop for a little bit. It's it's a it's a it's a funny kind of weird movie, but I yeah I specifically remember watching that as a kid. Hmm. Uh, Clash of the Titans, which had the really spooky skeleton fight where the uh, the Greeks are fighting the skeleton and not animatronic stop motion by uh, Harryhausen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just classic. Um, right. What have you ever seen? Um, oh, have you ever seen Blowout, an early Brian De Palma film starring John Travolta? I've heard a lot of good things about Blowout. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's kind of a noir sort of mystery. It's pretty good. Okay. Also got Escape from New York on here. Yes, Escape from New York, an excellent, excellent movie. Mm-hmm. We both, uh, both of us, guest starred on Friend of the Shows, Eric Deutsch's podcast um escape from the new uh, escape from new york minute you set us up it's all bullshit yeah um and that's just just a really fun ride probably also around 87 minutes honestly right right yeah just a classic love it yeah and i think the last one well i would say is enter the ninja that was (laughs) yeah very famous canon film yes uh, first in the ninja trilogy before revenge of the ninja and ninja three the domination Ninja Three: The Domination lives yes. in infamy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you mention? Did you mention Evil Dead? You must have mentioned Evil. I Dead. did. I mentioned it. Yeah. Okay, one good. of my one of my favorites of all time came out Indeed. in eighty one. Absolutely. Indeed. So nineteen eighty one, a strong year for not just slashers, but you know your other movies. kind of quirky, fun, different movies that aren't just right mainstream Hollywood yeah. dramas or action movies. Strong, strong year. Strong year, 81. Oh, speaking of 81, that's also the number on... On on Mark's shirt. (laughs) The late, great Mark's jersey is is 81. Um, I don't know who that could be representing. The red jersey with the white 81 numbers, if that's like... You know, was our famous number 81 at the time? Is that like John Stallworth's jersey? I don't know. You know, maybe that was the jersey he wore before he got in his motorcycle accident. Maybe he was an athlete, you know. Maybe that ah. is his own jersey, you know. Sure. Yeah. Mm. I'm looking I'm looking at John Stallworth right now because that one came to mind just randomly. Um, <laughs> he was he was a pro football wide receiver. No, he wore 82. And mm. played for, oh no, not him. Shoot, it's not John Stallworth. 
No, no, no. There, because there is Jerry Rice for the 49ers, but there's also like another. Oh, there's Lofton. Do I have that right? Is it the other one is Lofton? Mm, I do not know. Niners. Let, let's let's just say, let's pretend this. James Lofton <laughs> stats for 49ers. Nope, he was number. Does it make sense? No, he's not. Who is the other? This oh, is I'm quality content you. right here. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Let's go, 1981 49ers roster. I mean, obviously, the reason Mark is wearing the 81 jerseys is because this movie comes out in 81, question mark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why? It's a good reason as any. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? But, All right, John, we are going to start to wrap things up here. We are going to recommend something, and then you, my friend, are going to reveal the next movie. Me? You. Ooh. I'm going to dive into recommends if you don't mind. Okay. I'm going to recommend um, a podcast that is related to this episode in a way. Um, so earlier this uh, year, at the beginning of summer, I discovered a podcast called With Gorley and Rust. Mm. And this is Matt Gorley and Paul Rust, and they uh, started a podcast And the first thing that they, it's a movie podcast, and the first series of movies that they watched and reviewed episode by episode was the Friday the 13th series. Mm. And it inspired me this last summer to go through and rewatch every single Friday movie in order from beginning to end. And then I would listen to their podcast afterwards. And I have to say it was a delight. Mm. And uh, they are very, very funny and knowledgeable about the series. And the podcast, it's been out for a few years, but I just discovered it this year. And um, so after the success of doing the Friday series, they've gone on and they've done Nightmare on Elm Street. They've done Halloween. They've done the Alien movies. They'll do a season where they just kind of handpick a selection of horror movies. They just got done doing aquatic horror with a bunch of Jaws movies, plus some Jaws ripoffs, which is cool. Jaws. Cool Jaws. Yeah. And um, to access all of their stuff, you need to become a Patreon member. But um, this is one of the cases where I think the Patreon subscription is 100% worth it. Mm. They release a lot of great Patreon content and you get uh, your money's worth. Um, So I strongly recommend if our podcast has inspired you to check out uh, Friday Part 2, I would suggest just running through the whole series and uh, check out... Uh, they named their first series uh, In Voorhees We Trust with Gorley and Rust. And uh, check out the, that podcast, specifically the Friday series, and uh, you will not be disappointed. It's a pretty great show. What, so I looked at their Patreon content. Is it... I saw this, they had commentary episodes. Do they have more than commentary episodes? That- yeah, they have commentary episodes. They have bonus like mailbag episodes. They just have straight bonus episodes that are different movies that you can't hear on the regular feed. And they release stuff pretty often on there. So you're getting a handful of bonus episodes that you wouldn't otherwise get through the Patreon. They also have a whole chunk of their back um, uh, their back episodes are only available on Patreon. Um, so there's a whole lot of content on there. Yeah. Is that right? So some of their episodes are only available on Patreon, some of their back episodes? Yeah, I think the entire Halloween series is only available in their Patreon. 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, that's my recommend. A really great podcast with two really funny guys that uh, love horror movies and and love to talk about them. And uh, they're just super jolly and <laughs> just <laughs> kind of funny with you. They have a really funny rapport with each other. So um, highly recommended. Oh, I, yeah. I love Matt Gorley and Paul Rust. I mean, I love them from, gosh, when I was listening to Comedy Bang Bang every week back oh, in the yeah. day. They're regular guest members or guests uh, on that podcast. Matt Gorley does a particularly good HR Giger <laughs> impersonation, the creator of the alien right, right. design, <laughs> the xenomorph. Yeah. Giger. And Paul Rest would just show up and do different characters. And he'd always have like this fake segment called New No No's, where he would come up with like fake new rules. Like, hey, I know that old slashers have to have some guy chasing down teens who are promiscuous no 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 and from now on and then come up with some kind of new thing. <laughs> nice. but also love paul rust in his little netflix show called love which I yeah think that's a great show yeah a big time producer and creator and writer and actor in and sarah my wife and i both really enjoyed that so it's, it's just a, a joy to hear them interact because absolutely it's, it's, it's neat to hear them putting out something regularly and together um i tried the james bonding podcast with matt gorley and someone else sorry if i forget the name but yeah they just don't have that same chemistry i feel like that james or that matt and paul, paul. have yeah, yeah yeah i'm also less familiar with the james bond movies so it'd be harder for me to follow along yeah 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 it's matt mira and it just yeah on the chain spotting and, and I'm sure they're good and they're researched and they're funny on that one. They just don't have the chemistry that draws me in. Like, yeah. Just... Well, what do you have to recommend for us this week? Oh man. So along those lines of horror movie and horror media that we enjoy, um, it's something I talked about. You talked about, to you last week, I briefly mentioned when we were talking about these recommends off the air, funny enough. Yeah. Um, was I, over the summer, discovered a podcast called Kill by Kill, mm. where they really break down, just like it sounds like, the kills in different horror movies and different horror movie franchises. And of course, this podcast uh, started by Patrick Hamilton and Gina Radcliffe, really started with None other than the Friday the 13th franchise. Of course. Of Where course else they did. start, yeah. Yeah, and it looks like they're probably 200 plus episodes in now, and they've started wow. a few years ago. And since then, as they move through different movies and different franchises, they're excellent at picking up guests from all sorts of uh, places, either horror adjacent or just podcast adjacent. So you'll have people from like, the We Hate Movies podcast, who I've listened to forever. They'll have Patrick Bromley from F This Movie. They'll yeah, have people yeah, working cool. for Fangoria. They'll have people who are like in actual horror movies, just just all over the place. Um, they're they're so good at pulling in guests, and, and and it's so fun to hear those perspectives of the guests, but also hear Patrick and Gina's funny takes on um, these these movies, these horror movies, these slasher movies. Um, if I remember correctly, I was listening to this a lot as I was working on The Garage this past summer, and I was yeah. just 
have like a whole series of them talking about, say, Friday the 13th Part 2, and they would talk about Friday the 13th Part 2 for five or six episodes as they break down like each little chunk for about an hour each time um, and talk about specifically the characters and the deaths of those characters. And I believe Gina's favorite kill in the franchise is also Mark's machete to the face. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I will have to check out that one because I have I keep on hearing about that podcast and I know that it's a good one and I just haven't taken the dive on it. So you yeah. have inspired me to uh, go back and, and give it a shot. Yeah, and again, that's kill by kill, and it's, I think it's just super well done. It's Patrick Hamilton, whose voice really honestly reminds me of Patrick Bromley's, if oh, Patrick Bromley was a little bit more, I don't know, like trying to make jokes every other sentence versus, uh-huh. you know, the way Patrick Bromley is now. It's, you know, he'll make the jokes here and there when it's appropriate, but I think I think he has a lot more kind of cinema goer and cinema analysis sure um, voice in his own yeah tellings of movies all right well the moment is here john you get to choose the next film <gasps> what scene are we going to watch i can't wait okay well thanksgiving's coming up it's very close to when we were recording this i think it's about two mm. weeks out yes okay two weeks and a day out and I couldn't help but think of my favorite Thanksgiving scene, not necessarily a Thanksgiving movie, hmm. mind you. When you think of Thanksgiving movies, you think of, I don't know, planes, trains, and automobiles, and that's yep. kind of it. But that's not this movie. It's hmm. not this movie. This is a Thanksgiving film. Sorry, this is a Thanksgiving scene in a superhero movie. Does any Thanksgiving scene in a superhero movie ring a bell? Oh, is it a modern superhero movie or an older one? Uh, it's modern in that it's from 2002. Hmm. You know me with superhero movies. I'm uh, I'm not well versed. So okay, let's let's say it's directed by one of your favorite horror movie makers. Okay, so this has got to be one of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yes. Movies. Oh. Yes. Which one are we watching? Well, this scene runs from timestamp one hour twenty five minutes and nine seconds to one hour, 29 minutes and 56 seconds. So one of the shorter scenes I've chosen Mm. and it's the Thanksgiving scene when I'm going to say Spider-Man, when Peter Parker and Norman Osborn both arrive at the apartment to celebrate Thanksgiving with Aunt May, sorry, I'm blanking on names, (laughs) Mary Jane, I was going to say James Franco or Osborn. Um, Harry Osborn and like I mentioned before Peter Parker and Norman Osborn um, and just in this little scene there's a lot that goes on in terms of their character in terms of realizing things um, it's, it's just a fantastic like sitting around the dinner table quiet scene but at the same time there's a lot that's not being said as realizations are coming to light um, I'll just leave it at that for now. So, I'm sorry if this is a dumb question. Is this the first Spider-Man or is it Spider-Man 2 or 3? This is the first Spider-Man. This, this happens okay. to be my my favorite of the comic book movies. And there have been a lot of comic book movies. Yeah. Who am I? You sure you want to know? If somebody told you I was just your average ordinary guy, not a care in the world, somebody lied. Somebody lied. 
truth is, it wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated. Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. Somebody has to stop it. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift. Wow. It is my curse. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Do I get to say thank you this time? too much. You're not Superman, you know. But one of those This is one of the few uh, superhero movies that I have seen, but it's been a very long time. So this will be fun to revisit. Um, I remember liking it when I watched it back back when. So Oh, it is it is so fun. I say those first two Spider-Man movies and right, it's not an uncommon opinion that people have, but yeah. I think the two those first two Spider-Man movies just have such a, a, a voice and an eye. A lot of people prefer the second Spider-Man, but I happen to prefer the first one because I'm just the sucker for origin stories. You love the origin stories, yeah. I love the origin stories. <laughs> exactly. And and just this quiet conversation in the middle of this action-packed movie where you have a guy swinging between buildings and you have a guy dressed up like a, a, a green monster blowing things up. This is a quiet moment hmm. where there's a lot of tension built up and – they can't necessarily start hashing out their differences right here at Thanksgiving of all places. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I love the choice um, as it relates to uh, uh, the season. So that's fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're finishing up Halloween and uh, I know this episode will probably come out uh, after Halloween since we're yeah. recording it a couple of days after Halloween, <laughs> but uh, it still kind of fits the, uh, the season. So now we're transitioning to a little Thanksgiving. I love that. And yeah. maybe, maybe when it's my turn, I'll have to do something with a holiday theme to it, Christmas or something. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Is it going to be Black Christmas? Is it going to be <laughs> <laughs> I don't Christmas? know. Maybe, maybe I'll just do a hard left and do something different. I don't know. Uh, we'll something see. wholesome and family friendly like Home Alone or <laughs> Home Alone 2. Yeah. Evil Dead 2. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> 2. 
All right. Well, I think we've done it, John. I'm looking forward to watching uh, Spider-Man again and talking about it with you. Oh, um, so good. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, should yeah. be fun. Um, all right. You want to take us out? Let's take us out by throwing it right back to you and saying, Jeff, where can people find oh, you? Oh, you can find me on the Twitter. I am Jeff Glover. Carl underscore, excuse me, Carl Hungus 314. I'm on the Twitter. Come follow me there. Hello, my dispatcher says there's something wrong with Dinah Carver. Well, Carl underscore Hungus 314. <laughs> my name is Carl, you should be an expert. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> all right, all right. Just, just, just want to double check you're still in the same place because I still tag you every time. Okay, yeah, sorry. I, for, I forgot my own Twitter handle for a minute. For, yeah. I forgot my own underscore. We've all been there. All, <laughs> all right. If you would like to communicate with the show via Twitter, I'm not really on Twitter that much. I check it maybe, I don't know, once a day just to see if there's anything kind of fun going on. As soon as there's nothing fun, I'm just hopping right back off. But you can find Seen It All on Twitter. We are at Seen It All underscore. So, hey, the underscore is still strong with us. That's at S-C-E-N-E it all underscore on the Twitter. You can also join the Facebook conversation. Uh, at just the podcast name, just search that on Facebook. Seen it all with Jeff and John. Remember that's S C E N E it all. And you can also email the show seen it all podcast at gmail.com. That's S C E N E it all at gmail.com. And if I check the latest inbox messages (laughs) for seen it all podcast, uh, I'm not really seeing anything new since the last time, which was um, some kind of fake invoice spam email <laughs> from Norton. I'm not still responding to them. Sorry, Norton. Someday, someday we'll get a an, an email in the old Gmail box. <laughs> and we'll read it out loud. I guarantee. <laughs> so please send, a, please send us a message. But that's everything for Seen It All. So for all things Seen It All with Jeff and John, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> you wanna see? Yeah, you wanna see? Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me You can go to the diner for a meal with Meg You can yell at your class, stab yourself in the leg You can upgrade your boat for when sharks attack And you can be like Arnold, tell him I'll be back You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me Jeff and John talk scenes and quotes. Jeff improvises while John takes notes. From Mozambique to Montreal, you can join in the chat on Scene It All. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when Bobby D says you're talking to me. Scene It All with Jeff and John.